God expects of us who want to be there, the type of things that he has planned for us. Uh, and his, this book has answered a lot of questions, but there's one question it has never answered, and that is, when will Jesus come back to take us to heaven? So it doesn't answer that question, but it gave us a lot of things to think about in terms of what will be there, what heaven is like, different people that will be there, people that won't be there, you know, what we'll do when we get there. So it's been very informative, very educational, and very inspiring. You know, after reading this book, uh, I want to make it my aim and goal to be there even more. I already want to be there, but even more because God has things planned for us that we can't even imagine the things that he has planned for us. So praise the good Lord for that. Uh, let's open Amen. with a quick, quick word of prayer. Patsy, would you open with prayer for us, please? I sure will. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the breath of life and for giving us another day to praise and lift your name up. Now, Lord, as we are led by Elder Carroll and we're led by the Holy Spirit, let your words penetrate our hearts, our mind, and our souls. Let your understanding, your wisdom, and your knowledge be placed in each and every one of us, that we will continue to seek you and to be more Christ-like that we may show others that we are good witnesses for you. And we plant those little mustard seeds that you said, if we plant them, you will water them and draw them close to thee. Lord, save us all into your heavenly kingdom. Forgive us of our sins, our inequities, and our transgressions. And we ask these things in your holy and precious name. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 I have a quick question for you. Um, why on earth? Would the Lord have his prophet write a book about heaven? What's the point? For me, it's a contrast. It lets me know that what's on this earth is not worth losing my salvation and being able to live in a place where there'll be no tears, no death. None of this wicked stuff will be there. Just nothing but peace, joy, and living with Jesus who died on the cross for me. Amen. Terrific. That's an excellent reason. What other reason are, do you think? How y'all doing? Hey, Alvina. What other hey, reason do you think the Lord had Ellen White write this book about heaven? What's the benefit of it? I think to make heaven real to us. <laughs> and that it's not just some place where there's some beings floating on clouds and all of that stuff. And so... To just give us a real idea of how much God wants us there with him. Hmm. That's very good. Very good. Excellent thought to make heaven real. Because if somebody's just talking, talking about what's going to be there, but don't really have anything detailed or definite, it does make you wonder, you know, are they even telling the truth? So that's a good thing. Good uh, comment. Any other comments? Why would God have this book written about heaven? What's the purpose for us? So that we can knock down some um, wrong beliefs about heaven. She mentioned okay. that we're just not out there floating around. So that to give us uh, the accurate view and understanding that it is a real place. Excellence uh, to knock down some of the errors we might have about heaven and what's going to be there and who's going to be there. Because, you know, the more you talk to people, the more you realize 
we all have different views of what we think is going to happen, of who we think will be in heaven, of who, who won't be, and some of the things that will happen in heaven and won't happen. You know, we all attend uh, the same church or same denomination, but we don't all think exactly the same. So what you might think we'd be doing in heaven might not be exactly what I think. So that's a good point to eliminate some errors that we might have about heaven. Uh, what I was thinking too is a book about heaven is for encouragement. It's for encouragement is to give us more of a vision. You know, more uh, when you have a goal, it's nice to have a vision of that goal so that you have something concrete to think about. You know, if you say, oh, I want to be in heaven, but you have no idea what it looks like, what it's made of, what you do there, then it's not so concrete of a goal. But when you can actually read what God has said, then it does make you think, wow, man, that is really going to be something now, you know, now that's really my goal. And it gives you something to hope for, gives you something to look forward to. And if you're an artist or a singer, you can come up with more ideas on songs or on artwork, you know, to uh, match what you have been told. So it's all for encouragement and uplifting and edification of the saints. So that is a real blessing. The first sentence that says, by faith, behold, eternity. By faith, behold, eternity. The prophet. Hey, okay. Hey, hey, Percy. Before you go to, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to expound, expound on that heaven as well. Mm -hmm. And I like what everyone has said. Uh, for me, when I think of heaven, it, it's it's an opportunity for me uh, to get to know Christ a little bit better, who who he is and, and, and the purpose. I oftentimes thought about, you know, why create a world and 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 know that sin is coming and that you're gonna have to die. I it just was it's just benumbing to me, but then when I think of heaven and be able to, to see his love, his mercy, what it really entails. That's what heaven begins to bring to me. So, Amen. Amen. Terrific. Um, again, by faith, behold eternity, it says the prophet, and we talked about this too, about heavenly music, which again, we all had different ideas. The prophet caught the sound of music there in the city of God and songs, such music and song as, Save, which means accept in the visions of God, no mortal ear has heard or mind conceived. Now, I was reading that, and it says, accept uh, in vision, no mortal ear has heard or mind conceived. Uh, how is that true if Moses, Elijah, and Enoch are in heaven? They've heard heavenly music. Anybody? Oh, they're not mortal. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of a trick question, wasn't it? They're no longer mortal. They've taken on immortality. So no mortal, mortal being subject to death, no mortal ear has heard that. So uh, that's very interesting when I was reading that. I thought that was a good statement. And then it talks more about joy and gladness shall be found there, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now, do we have to wait to get to heaven to have joy and gladness and thanksgiving and melody? Not at all. Nope. We're going to have a lot nope. here on earth. How are you going to do it on this sinful earth? <laughs> we long you we have Jesus, your heart. Heart. We can have joy. We can strive for joy. We keep Jesus uh, on our minds and look look to him and not let this world get us down like Satan wants it to. 
Okay. All right. Patsy, what was it you were saying? I was I was saying I, I, I agree with Alvina that we keep our minds focused. And, you know, it takes something. You have to have a relationship with God that through the good and the bad, you know he's going to be there. So we don't, like Alvina said, we don't let this world get us so bogged down that we forget that we have a Savior. We have a, 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 a God we can go to for our needs, and he will provide. Amen. So we have to use our minds that God has given us, right, to overlook all the sin that we see around us and to focus on these visions of heaven that he's given us. You know, and it's interesting that we talk about this joy and this gladness as we look at it from the perspective of what we call joy and gladness in this realm of sin. Mm. You know, our, what we consider joy and gladness probably does not even compare to what true joy and gladness will be. Uh, in heaven, hence is why it probably gives the statement that we shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and science shall be done away with. Oh, man. Good point. Excellent point. Yeah, because so I think that it'll be a, ain't kicking it. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it'll be a totally different kind of joy and gladness because right now on earth, it's mixed with pain and sorrow and sin and sickness. But in heaven, it won't be mixed. It'll be poured out without measure. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, um, what type of things do you do to experience joy and gladness and thanksgiving here in your life? What type Take of things do you do? What'd you say? Take a nap. Take a nap. <laughs> okay, that can be joyful. You know, this might this might sound a little crazy, but I like fellowship in, in different people's classes because I learn stuff. And even, you know, people are against us socializing with first day people. My women's group, I said, I even enjoy, you know, I listen to what they believe. And, you know, they kind of say, well, you know, what do you believe? And I said, and I get a joy because I, I guess I, I look at it as it's Christians. And, you know, we, we get to understand if we're on, if we misunderstand something, you got another Christian that can say, I think you missed the point on this. But they do it in a loving way. So it, it's, it's like the fellowship there is important. And that's, that gives me joy. Oh, terrific. Karen, will you want really witness? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Alvin. Oh, witnessing uh, to people, you know, telling them something they may not know. Mm-hmm. And planting that's seeds, excellent. you know, that share with their friends and families. Excellent source of joy and gladness. Karen, did you have a comment on where you? Um, yeah, I was going to say prayer and praising him, but also uh, piggybacking on what Alvina said. It is the most joyful thing when you witness to somebody and you see them um, actually respond to that, you know, and get baptized or join the church or whatever the case may be, or just give their heart over to the Lord. That mm -hmm. is such a joy you know, to be able to have a, have had a part in that. Um, Amen. And of course there's joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, right? Mm -hmm. So that's joy on heaven in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Yeah. It don't have to be anything big or huge to experience joy and gladness, depending on where you're from or what uh, country you live in or what neighborhood you live in. Just having a clean glass of water can be joyful. 
And you'd be very glad to have a good night's rest. So it doesn't have to be something huge to exhibit, for you to exhibit joy and gladness. In fact, they say that most joyful things are found in uh, the things of nature, you know, which God has provided for us for free. So when you're out in nature and you see a bubbling brook or a nice pretty bird fly around or some animals making animal sounds, you know, there can be joy and gladness in that as well as Thanksgiving too. So uh, we have to really, I think Alvina was saying earlier, we have to look beyond the sadness of life and see that there is still some beauty in this world, even though it's sinful. There's still a lot of beautiful things that we can do that God has blessed us with. And each day we need to take advantage of it. Uh, even if we just look outside and admire how beautiful the snow is, or we yeah. stay, or we stay inside and appreciate mm -hmm. the warmth of our homes, but there's always something to be joyful about. Uh, it adds meaning to that phrase: um, "Every cloud has a silver lining." Right. One so maybe I'm, maybe I'm feeling down and out about something, but there's something that I can be joyful about. Go ahead, Alvin. Usually, you see, you see it's joyful visiting in the nature. Sometimes you walk through a zoo, zoo it's kind of sad. These animals are locked up, Cap, you know, in captivity. It won't be like that in heaven. Mm -hmm. so you can enjoy the animal without them being behind cages and stuff. Amen. Amen. Lakita says she's glad they're behind cages right now, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, I don't know, because here in uh, Blackjack, I said, I've seen a whole family of deers, and they were beautiful. Just beautiful. Did you go feed them and pet them and ride them? No, ma'am. <laughs> ride them. Okay. <laughs> uh, next paragraph says, in the earth made new, the redeemed will engage in the occupations and pleasures that brought happiness to Adam and Eve in the beginning. The Eden life will be lived, the life in garden and field. What type of things brought Adam and Eve pleasure and happiness? In the garden. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, tend, I look back at uh, what Alvina was saying about with the being with the animals and being able to run and to touch and to even ride some, you know, just the freedom of, of being there, that, that perfect setting, that perfect uh, wind, if it, whatever that is. Uh, the perfect uh, heat on you. I mean, every time I think about that, it, it goes beyond. I mean, when I'm out on the beach and I'm thinking I'm enjoying myself, heaven's even going to be 10 times better than that. I, it's just mind boggling to me. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? What brought Adam time. and Eve happiness and pleasure? I think, I think that um, before sin, you know, everything praised God and it was a audible praise that man could hear. And even perhaps, you know, you know, Eve was surprised that the serpent could talk, but I think that they understood, you know, the praise that the animals gave to God and they understood the praise that the plants and things gave to God. And I think that was just a joy for them. Mm. Well, well y'all know me, I'm always thinking about food. So I imagine all of the fruits and the grains and stuff. And there wasn't any fruit, I don't think at that time, it was just grain. And I said, and, uh, you know, and then being able to grow that because Adam worked in the garden to tilt it and stuff and keep it nice and clean. You know, I think that brought happiness to them, too, that they they knew God was going to commune with them. And he trusted them to keep the place just spotless, perfect. 
Hmm. Yeah, Patsy, there was fruit and grains, or just no vegetables. Yeah, okay. Remember, remember, she took the fruit from the tree. Oh, okay, yeah. My mind is not working. And see, that's what happens when you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing. Does Does anyone? You know well, they walked with God and talked face-to-face with God. And um, another thing, too, is I agree with you, um, Karen. I think there was some communication with animals going on. I'm not for sure that she was surprised. I think Ellen White said she was surprised that the animal, the snake could talk. But I think there was some surprise that he was even in that tree because, you know, no one was supposed to be hanging out in that tree. You know, and, it, and, and there's something else there, too, that I don't think we ever talk about. It's like, um, the snake was punished. So then there, to me, seemed like there was some intellectual understanding of, even for them, of what was supposed to happen and not supposed to happen. Was, I thought the snake was punished afterwards. Yeah, he, the snake was punished after she ate off the, off the uh, fruit. But if he was an animal with no reasoning ability, as we understand him, I think then it seems to me like he would not have been punished because he had no reason, no reasoning ability. Mm. But she also, I kind of look back too, in the garden, you notice that relationship and communication was very important. Yeah. Yeah. On his last sentence, it says, my people, my elect, shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Uh, does anybody here, I know we have a garden. Does anybody else have a garden? No. I don't oh, have man. a garden, but I have a flower bed and stuff that I do. Yeah, you got a lot of plants and stuff, flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Percy, don't y'all have a garden? Uh, no. Um, my wife has a ton of plants. <laughs> yeah, have plants. Yeah. Okay. I, I, have, I have garden when I was when we were uh, at Kirkwood, we had our, Kirkwood actually had a plot that we used to garden for the church. So, okay. Yeah. Now, it, those that have plants and gardens, it's a lot of fun in working with your plants in your garden, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to plant, you know, the seed and watch it grow and water it and see the fruit come out of it. And um, when we're working in our garden, it's some hard work, but it, you feel good afterward. You feel like you actually accomplished something, and, and now you can wait to see the fruits of your labor. And I remember the first time we planted a, a plant in the house, and we planted a seed, and then it started growing. And then it was like every day you wake up, that thing was getting bigger and taller, and it was kind of scary. <laughs> you know, I'm like, this thing's really alive, ain't it? Yeah, they're alive <laughs> plant. But it's kind of strange when you see them growing like that. It's like, wow, this is pretty interesting. So, yeah, it's a lot of enjoyment with working with your hands. Go ahead. Yeah, and it's interesting, at least for me, I I watch my wife and she gets really into her plants and gets to talking to those plants. And I'm like, that plant don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Sure enough, come around the next day. If she didn't do what she said, that plant drooping and looking all sad. And then when she says, Mm. see? I told you, she go put a little water in that. Come back within an hour, the plant's all perked up and happy. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, Elder Wellington, I used to give my when I when I had plants, I used to give them a name and I talked to them just like they was human. They say plants <laughs> respond to people talking to them. Yes, they do. I ain't going that. That's far. something I've never done is talk to my plants. Mm-mm. Oh yes, they grow and they're more green and they spark up. And I said I did it every day. Huh. And studies show mm. classical music enhances plant growth. And I'll take my plants and I do not have a green thumb, but I'll take my plants and rotate them like I have a, a light for the plants and rotate them. And sure enough, in a few hours, they'll be the other way. They just follow that light. You never mm-hmm. see them move, but it's mm-hmm. interesting to see that they move from one direction to the next. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, apparently it, it really works. So Karen, you and Percy need to start talking to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, if they answer you back, let us know. Like a Venus flytrap. But Paula just said they do answer because they respond to what you do to them. I mean, if they talk to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, well, you can pet it. Why don't you get a Venus flytrap and start petting it? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, so that's really good. Uh, the work of your hands. And also that counts too. You can enjoy working with your hands in other ways. You know, like maybe you like working on cars or maybe you like sewing dresses or doing design work, artwork or uh, carpentry. You know, it's a real blessing and a skill and ability that God gives you to use your hands to do various things. Uh, When I was working on computers, I really appreciated that I could do something with my hands And then in a matter of moments, I can see the results. And I thought that was really something to be thankful about, something to be happy for. So whenever you you look for the results, it gives you a feeling of joy and accomplishment. Yeah, Patsy. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was teaching, I used to get so mad at the counselors because they always want to stick to kids that can barely read and stuff into our department, Family Consumer Science. And then as the kids came in and, you know, even with their reading levels that was low, I was like, if you need a little help between me and you, you know, stay after school. Those kids start coming back after school because they're like, hey, I got something done in class. Then they wanted, they was like, Miss Harper, I don't read too good in this area. Can you help me? So then they started focusing on reading them, you know, getting the materials in their heads, even though it took them a little longer. But once they realized they were in a class that they could complete projects, especially those that are, that was in the food classes. I said, it's amazing how you can take, and as quote unquote, they would say the C and D and F students. I said, but when you get them working, you will see the quality that they have inside of them. Maybe they not all on, on the test and book smart, but they have qualities that you can enhance. Yeah, that's very true. Everybody has talents and skills. And you just have to pull it out of sometimes. But that's the real blessing. And you pointed out in the cooking science, you know, that's another area where you can feel some accomplishment and some happiness and joy of something that you made with your hands. I know um, Karen Chris likes to, to bake. And I know he's really happy when one of his cakes comes out and it's so beautiful and delicious. You know, that's just some joy that he feels from having done that. Well, yeah, he loves it. He loves it. Yeah. And uh, there's even joy people get from taking pictures of food. How many times have you gone to a restaurant 
And first thing you do is take a picture of your food and share. It. <laughs> yeah. You know, people or like sometimes even that. when you cook a meal. Yeah. It's so good. Take a picture and share it with folks. Yep. So there's a lot of joy and happiness still in this world. And in heaven, it says every power will be developed and every capability increased. So we'll still be learning and still be growing even in heaven. It says there will be appear new heights to surmount, new wonders to admire, new truths to comprehend, fresh objects of study to call forth the power of body and mind and soul. So we'll still be learning, still be admiring, still be comprehending new truths. Do we have to wait to heaven to do those things? No, no we but- grow. Can you so still I- grow physically, mentally, spiritually, socially here on, on the earth? Definitely. Yes. Yes. You don't want to grow physically. Well, up, I don't think you're going up, but probably out. Depends on how you're doing it. Well, I think growing physically would mean increasing your health, um, growing okay. more fit, growing, you know, more health conscious. I will confuse. Yeah, in many ways you can grow. Um, so we don't have to wait to get to heaven. We can still learn now. Many times it seems like when you get up, the age always changes from where you get um, to old age and then where you actually start rolling down the hill. But people, it used to be 50, was it? Then it's 40. And now people got the nerd to be talking about, oh, I'm 30. What am I going to do? I'm old. You know, until you're dead, you can still learn something yep. new. Yep. You can still enjoy life. You can still um, improve your abilities. You can still learn new skills. And you can still enjoy yourself until you actually stop breathing. That's what we all should do. Yep. And that would be a good steward. Yeah, stewardship of mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. It um, mentions about the prophets to whom these great scenes were revealed long to understand their full import. Or they were begging to understand those prophetic scenes. Is there any prophecy in the scriptures that you were just constantly trying to understand more about? that you really begged the Lord to help you to understand anyone? Is there a prophecy that you just w- like to fully understand? You know, that says special resurrection. I don't know where it said in, in Revelation, where it says, um, you know, they which pierced him too, that they're going to see um, the Lord descend with a shout. Right? Okay. I think about the 144,000. I've read so much stuff about that, that but you know it seems like it's conflicting a lot of it mm-hmm. okay anybody yeah, else anything that you would like to know more about percy yeah i was on that same one with karen over the 144,000. It, mm-hmm. it's it is so much to it and it had a real we did a really really interesting study of it this week and it's just phenomenal it gets the more you dig into it the more you start to learn and mm-hmm. there's so much yeah and i think mm-hmm. mine is the uh prophecy that they talk about the cleansing of the sanctuary i said because i go over and over trying to understand what the procedures was for clean for the cleansing of the sanctuary and the show table and the candlesticks so I, I still have to keep going over and over to understand. 
So that's mm-hmm. mine. Yeah, that's true. Um, we're mortals. You know, we don't know everything. Nobody knows everything out of scriptures. And we had read before, of course, that even when we get to heaven, we'll still be learning about the full meaning of the plan of salvation. So don't get upset or frustrated too much because it takes a little time to understand these are spiritual things. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. Only the Holy Spirit can give you the full understanding of anything out of the scriptures. So at times we have to realize that, hey, I'm human. I can't learn it all at once, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to study. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and to open my mind and my eyes so that I can see and understand. And God will do it in his own time. But our calling is to just be inquisitive and to study God's word allow him to open our mind when he recognizes that it's the right time. So don't feel too bad that you have to keep repeating things or, uh, you know, you feel like, man, I read that Bible study twice already. I should have it. Not necessarily, you know, not necessarily. It takes a little time to understand. And again, we can only understand what God reveals to us, right? Mm -hmm. So just continue to ask and continue to pray and continue to study And as God sees fit, he'll open our eyes to those things that we have a true desire to understand. We're on paragraph 186.4. And what does that first um, two words say? Fellow pilgrim. pilgrim. What is that talking about? We didn't come over on the Mayflower, did we? This is not our but we're pilgrims in this, in this on earth because this is not our home. We're traveling through to get home. Hmm. Okay. Anybody else thoughts about being a pilgrim? <laughs> it, say, it also says, let's behold by faith the blessed hereafter is pictured by the hand of God. By faith, we have to remember what we've read and studied so that we can form that picture in our minds about what ha- what God has waiting for us in heaven. It says, soon the battle will have been fought and the victory won. Soon we shall see him in whom our hopes of eternal life are centered. And in his presence, the trials and suffering of this life will seem as nothingness. And the former things should not even be remembered or even come to mind. Won't that be some- something to Amen. We don't even think about what we went through. And all we'll say is heaven is cheap enough. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. You know, we've all read that sins, but what does that mean anyway? Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great uh, recompense of reward. What does that mean? Don't lose the faith. Yeah, that's an easy way to put it, right? But yeah, basically, just uh, be faithful until the end. Anyone else see it? Anything want to add to that? Keep the faith is a good way of putting it. Don't give up. What'd you say, Alvin? Stay steadfast in the Lord and His promises. Stay steadfast. Uh, why do we need to keep the faith, stay steadfast, seek the Lord anyway? Is 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 there a reason he's telling us to do that? Yeah, because here, 
We know that Satan is trying to roam and trying to defile to get anybody he can get. But if we're connected with Christ in a relationship and we're holding on with the Holy Spirit and we're holding on to God's promises that they will be with us until the end, no matter what, then we ha- we have that confidence and assurance that God has already beat you, Satan. And if we stay on the winning side and with the Lord, you're going to get beat a second time, but this time for good. Hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts? Why do we need to remember to keep the faith and uh, not cast away our confidence? You know, I was thinking about the question prior to when it was talking about a fellow pilgrim. Mm-hmm. To be a pilgrim means you're just passing through. This is not your, this is not your place of resting. And so if I'm looking towards heaven as we're studying this, this, this lesson, heaven is our ultimate goal. The only way I'm going to succeed is I got to stay fixed upon that and stay uh, firm and, and confident in that or faithful that God is going to get me there. And so that becomes very relevant for me. Great. Remember that song, Heaven is My Home? <laughs> and Lakita said for us that there is a lot to be a lot of discouraging things happening on this planet. So we do need to keep the faith because uh, Patsy mentioned too, the devil's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's looking to get any of us to lose our faith in God and in his uh, promises. So we have to keep the faith, not get discouraged and just keep looking up towards the hip, the hills from which cometh our help from God. It also says, uh, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. But then it says, Israel shall be saved. Is Israel the only people going to be saved, the Hebrew Israelites? The spiritual Israelites. What does that mean? Spiritual uh, people who are adopted. Been adopted. Okay, adopted into the family of God. Yes. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. So it's not just literal Israel over in the Mideast, but spiritual Israel. Anyone who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that's the Israel that's being talked about. Uh, but there are many people who believe that the, the, the literal Israelites who were born and lived over in the country of Israel will all gather back to Israel and then Christ will come and take them to heaven. But through our studies, we understand he's talking about spiritual Israel, all those who are heirs according to the promise that was given to Abraham. So um, spiritual Israel says, look up, look up and let your faith continually increase. Like we said, faith has to increase because there's so much uh, the devil's trying to do to disappoint us and knock our faith down. We have to increase our faith through study and through prayer and through through recognizing uh, God in our lives and through keeping him first. It says, be also patient, establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draws near. Be patient, the coming of the Lord is drawing near. It says, the next paragraph is 187.3, the nations of the saved will know no other law than the law of heaven. All will be a happy, united family clothed with the garments of praise and thanksgiving. Once again, let's not wait to get to heaven to to be clothed with the garments of praise and thanksgiving for all that God does for us. 
Any thoughts on that? Praise and thanksgiving. When you pray, do you ever just have prayer of praise and thanksgiving? Or do we just continue to ask God for more and more stuff? Well, I, I do both praise and thanksgiving and um, I ask for stuff too. Because you pray and do intercessory prayer, so you're asking for stuff for other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Karen, you had a comment? I was going to say the same thing that, that pretty much uh, Rakita said. Um, we mm -hmm. are supposed to praise him, but we are supposed to ask him for our our, our wants and our needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nothing wrong with asking. He says, ask and it shall be given, right? Seeking you shall find, knocking the door shall be open. But we don't want to just constantly always be asking, but never, at, never thanking him and praising him for what he has done for us. Just to be show some gratitude you know, to what God has already given us, you know, instead of just constantly asking, asking, asking for more stuff. You know, you think about your own children, uh, you get kind of tired of them asking you for everything, right? It's like, daddy, can I have this? Mommy, can I have that? But every once in a while, it's just good for to hear them say, thank you, mommy. Thank you, daddy. Mm -hmm. You know, it just does something to you. So uh, God likes to hear uh, the gratitude and the praises of his people also. Any thoughts on the kids not saying thank you? Everybody's kid says thank you, don't they? <laughs> no. No, well, I, I, I think we can express, um, people can express in gratitude in a lot of ways too. It's not just saying not saying thank you, but complaining. I've been noticing, you know, we was looking at, um, program on homelessness. So I said, Lee, have I been complaining today? He was like, no, I don't think so. So I said, well, you know, because um, I don't want to complain because it seems ungrateful as I look at people living in their cars, you know, or in tents and stuff and been there for a year or two years, locked out of the housing industry because they have been um, was evicted so they can't get into another space. So, you know, it's it's a lot of ways to show ingratitude. You can say thank you, but then still show ingratitude. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, you know, have you ever given somebody a gift and and they you instead of them just saying thank you, they'll say thank you. But I think a red one would have been better, or I think you could have, you know, I just can't stand it. No, not at all, because I would have taken the gift back and be like, you're right. <laughs> 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 Okay, I never did that. <laughs> and get my own color, I won't. <laughs> okay, that's one way of dealing with it. <laughs> okay, now this part is very interesting. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so I'm paragraph 188.3, and it starts out on the verge of fulfillment says, we're living in a most solemn period of this earth's history. We're, we're living in the most solemn period of this earth's history. There is never time to sin, and it's always perilous to continue in transgression. But in a special sense, this is true at this present time. What is this paragraph talking about? Verge of fulfillment of what? 
And why is this time period the most solemn in Earth's history? Paragraph 188.3. What makes this period of Earth's history so solemn? Because this period is determining who's ready for heaven, who's not. I mean, yourself, people's probation is being closed, not just through death, but God is in the um is in heaven and he's doing judgment, judgment right there. And then the, at some point is he's gonna say, let he that is um pure holy be holy still, and he that is is um filthy. filthy, be filthy still. So this is something um, we don't know what day our probation is closed. Okay. Karen? Oh, just to piggyback on that. Yeah, the investigative judgment is going on. And at some point, it's going to be finished. It's going to close. And um, we want to be on the right side of mm -hmm. God when that happens. We don't, be on the, want to, we don't want to be on the wrong side of God. And when he separates the sheep from the goats and the wheat from the tear, we want to be sheep and wheat. <laughs> <laughs> So, um. okay, very good. And um, so this is the time period where the investigative judgment is occurring after 1844. <clears throat> then it also says, uh, let every person search his own heart. Why is that important for us to do? We're called to spread the gospel to everyone. Why does it say, let every person search his own heart? It's not going to do me any good to search your heart. I mean, you know, I'm over there looking at yours and helping you fix yours. A man is all jacked up, you know, so I have to search and find out, you know, where, what am I holding on to? Sometimes our sins are evident to us, you know, like, you know, it, 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 it occurred to me one day, I was mad about somebody doing something and the Holy Spirit told me that is nothing but pride. Why should you feel angry about anything that someone does? I still get angry about what people do to me, but I am aware that some of this is just pride. Pride about what? Just, you know, like, how dare they do this to me? The Holy Spirit was like, who are you? Oh. You know, they did more to me than they did to you. You don't have any, you know, you wasn't hung on the cross or anything. You didn't die for somebody else's sin. So, you know, I had to say, yeah, Lord, you're right about that. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on uh, the verge, standing on the verge? Of Christ's second coming, yeah, well, just back it off of what, yeah, and, and about searching your own heart. Go ahead, person. Yeah, just piggybacking off of what uh, Lakita said. Uh, when you're looking at that, you know, let every now let every person search his own heart and plead for the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't remember that the actual wording of the scripture, but <laughs> it talks about taking that boulder out of your eye. Yeah, you know, nope. <laughs> oftentimes mm -hmm. the nature of our humanness causes us to always look at other people and, and, and nitpick about this or that or the other. And the Lord's like, you know, I'm not asking you to look at them. I got them covered. You need to get yourself covered. You need to look at yourself. Take that thing out of your eye and see where you need help. And so, and, and it says you're on the verge of fulfillment, meaning that as, as we've already said, we're in a state of judgment right now. And so if you understand that, then it should become very more uh, evident that we need to change 
our directive, uh, especially as we're trying to get up out of here. And it, it goes on, it says, to expel all spiritual darkness and cleanse from defilement. Mm. So anything that is not of Christ needs to come out of us. Mm. Amen. Excellent. And we know that um, the Bible says that every person has to stand before the judgment throne of Christ for themselves, right? So we won't go as a group. We won't go as a family. It's just each individual that the Lord's going to be talking to. So, yeah, we do have to make sure that we're keeping an eye on our own Christian growth and our own faith, keep our own faith up also. And then it points out that there are events which since our parents turned their steps from Eden, Adam and Eve, children have watched and waited and longed and prayed for. Okay. Uh, this is 189.1 at the bottom of that. You know, when I first joined the church, they used to talk a lot about the stars falling from heaven and the moon turning to red, you know, all these prophetic things. Well, think about all the prophecies that have been given since Adam and Eve first left Eden. All those prophecies from that time up to now, people have, those who have, have followed after God have always wondered, uh, waited to see the fulfillment of those prophecies, but maybe they passed on before that happened. And that's the same with us now. We're, we are experiencing things that our grandparents or great-grandparents or people that came before us would have loved to see happen because it would be a fulfillment of prophecy that they had been studying. So we have to, again, watch and pray because things are happening around the globe that directly are fulfillments of prophecy. And if we're not paying attention, those things will go past us unawares. So keep our eyes open, watch, pray, ask the Lord to show you things, ask him to open your spiritual eyes because the time of trouble is coming up on us and we want to be aware and make sure that our, our own hearts are pure before the Lord so that we can prepare for his coming in clouds of heaven. Uh, all of us are homeward bound. That's our goal. Heaven is our home. Each Heaven is our goal each and every day. So it's telling us also in uh, paragraph 189.4, where it says we're homeward bound we're still amidst a shadow and turmoil of earthly activities, sure, but let's consider what's going to come after that. Let the afflictions which pain us so grievously in this earth be instructive lessons, teaching us to press forward toward the mark of the prize of our hard calling in Christ. How can the struggles that we go through become instructive lessons for us? And what can they teach us about being prepared for Christ's second coming? Well, I think that uh, the things and struggles that we go through, we know that God is at the, I mean, for those of us who allow God to be at the helm, um, he's got to purify us and he's got to uh, take us through the fire so that we, are, we become pure gold. And so a lot of the things that, that uh, of course, uh, as long as it's not afflictions, we bring on ourselves by sin, but other things that God allows to happen to us. It's to make us stronger and to make us fit for his kingdom. And so, um, you know, we just have to pray that the Lord, you know, the Lord promised he would be with us through everything. And so 
we just have to stand steadfast and unmovable. I think somebody already said that. And just mm -hmm. allow the process to, 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 to finish and God to finish the work. You know, we pray, Lord, please finish the work you have begun in me. And, 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 and that might be a self-fulfilling prophecy of affliction <laughs> to come upon us. I don't know. Yeah. And plus, if we uh, don't let it be like, um, let it teach us, we're just going to keep watching around in the same old circle, making the same old mistakes over and over. Mm -hmm. You know, and we call that insanity. You keep doing the right. same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. We have to let, you know, these um, terrible situations or bad situations that afflict us change our behavior. You know, like if you got, uh, you you decided you was going to go and to Michael Jackson concert, we know he's not alive, but, you know, for, to a $200 concert and not pay your, your rent, you know, and then the next month you're going to go and eat at Red Lobster four days out of the week for the whole month and, and not pay rent. And, the third, and so eventually you're going to be evicted. And then if you get into a house again and you do the same thing, you're going to get evicted. No point in asking questions like, why am I getting evicted? You know, you're not paying your rent. You got to stop doing what you're doing and do something different. Or else you're going to just keep living the same old craziness. Hmm. Interesting. It's interesting, too, that uh, that's very good, very good uh, perspective. I was talking with... Um, uh, Elder Harris and um, uh, Elder Bolden, uh, Teresa's father. And we were talking about faith. And it's interesting as we were uh, inquiring about faith and, and the power of faith, the same question came up, not in the context by which you're looking at it here, but actually it is. It says, let the afflictions which pain us so grievously become instructive lessons Mm -hmm. One of the things that was brought out is that as we increase in our faith, it's because of how we overcome. We've learned from it. We've increased uh, in its instruction of how to get over. And we were talking about the three Hebrew boys. And Paul brought out something very interesting. Uh, we oftentimes, when we think of the three Hebrew boys, we always think of them just right there together. But they were actually separate. Uh, in uh, different places that they were over, but at the same time, they, their faith was such that it brought them to the fire. And uh, it didn't bother them to the point that they might die. In fact, it increased their learning. They said, if he shall not deliver us, then let us die. But he's capable. He's, he's able. Mm -hmm. And so when I was looking at that and thinking that, that these instructive lessons it teaches us how to continue to press forward and how to grow uh, if we allow for that to happen in our lives. Exactly. I like that. If we allow it to happen. Uh, when you think back about your parents when you were a little kid and when your parents uh, gave you a spanking or timeout or whatever you got for being disobedient or doing something you shouldn't have, uh, unless your parent was a sadist, they were doing it to help you to learn, right? So when we go through afflictions and trial and tribulation here in this world, it's an opportunity for us to learn to trust in Jesus, to learn to depend upon him, to learn to believe his promises and to learn what his voice sounds like so that we can follow his voice. So it's all instructive. And the instruction is so that we'll be fit for heaven. You know, when you think about it, uh, the jeweler picks up an old rock and polishes it into a jewel 
and the polishing is rough and it don't feel good and it's harsh. But afterward, you got this nice, beautiful, smooth jewel. And it's the same with us as Christians. Sometimes we get uh, kicked around by life, by the situation and circumstances uh, that come our way. But afterward, we're a polished jewel fit for the crown of Christ and fit for his heavenly kingdom. So that's a, that's a good thing. And then 189.4 says at the bottom, blessed are those servants. Blessed are those servants who, when their Lord comes, shall be found what? Watching. Watching. The scripture says watch and what? Pray. Watch and pray. So pay attention to what's going, around, going on around you. Pay attention to the Lord's voice. Pay attention to his word and his testimony. Pay attention to his Holy Spirit's guidance and watch and pray that he'll deliver you from all these things going on in the earth and save you in his blessed kingdom. So the watching and praying part is important. Those whose lives have been hidden with Christ, those who on this earth have fought the good fight of faith will shine forth with the Redeemer's glory in the kingdom of God. It, with, that's again why we're called to be patient. Uh, paragraph 190.2 says, be you also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws near. That's a very definite statement. You know, and James is telling us, just be patient. Keep faith, keep the faith, because the Lord is coming. It's not a question, is the Lord coming? You know, it's a statement, the Lord is coming. So be patient, um, uh, establish your hearts, keep your faith, and look to, look to the Lord to deliver us. And then finally at the bottom uh, paragraph, next to the bottom, says the great controversy is ended and sin is no more. This is 191.2. The great controversy between Christ and Satan is ended. Sin exists no more. As Jesus opens before his people the riches of redemption and the amazing achievements in the great controversy with Satan, the hearts of the ransom thrill with more fervent devotion, more rapturous joy, sweeping their hearts of gold, and 10,000 times thousand, 10,000, and thousands of thousands of voices unite to swell the mighty chorus of praise. Isn't that amazing? And then finally, the last paragraph in our book, it says, again, the great controversy has ended. Sin and sinners are no more. The entire, entire universe is now clean of sin. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation from him who created all flow life and light and gladness throughout the realms of illimitable space. From the minutest atom to the greatest world, all things animate and inanimate in their unshadowed beauty and perfect joy, that's everything that is, exists, and everything that can exist, declare, what does it say? That God, God is, love. is love. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me point this out. Somebody pointed this out. I thought it was very interesting. The entire uh, great controversy, it starts out with the sentence, God is love, and it ends with God is love. I think that's, that sums it all up, right? God mm -hmm. is love. And he wants us to be in heaven with him. He doesn't want us to die. Uh, the sinful death. He wants us to live the life of the righteous here on earth as well as in his kingdom made new. 
and he's given us um, the steps that it takes to do it. Trust in the Lord with all our heart. Study and pray. Keep his word. Follow his Holy Spirit. Keep the faith in Christ and his salvation. Accept his redemption. And God has promised that we'll wear a crown of life and live with him eternally in glory and reign with him forever and ever. Won't that be a blessing? Mm -hmm. Amen. God is truly good. So uh, that ends our study on the book, Heaven. Again, go back and reread parts if you have questions about it and do your own individual study on it because none of us is so wise that we can read something once and, and know everything about it. It takes a little extra study and prayer and research for us to understand our minds can't handle what God wants to give us, but he'll make us ready for what he uh, feels is right for us to understand. Uh, with that being said, uh, Karen, what's next week? Uh, we'll be studying chapter 91 in Testimonies for the Church, volume one. Okay, chapter 91 in volume one of Testimonies for the Church. Okay, and as I mentioned, our next book that we'll be studying every other week is going to be Christian Service. Christian Service, where it talks about some practical Christianity. Uh, I think that'll be right on time for us. Any other thoughts? Okay, we'll end uh, with this prayer and then we can go offline. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for blessing us to study your word. We thank you for your prophet uh, that you have led and given her the words to write from on high. We thank you for the book heaven that we've been studying and we thank you for the knowledge that you've imparted to us, dear Lord, the, the faith and the hope and the encouragement that you've given to us the increased desire to learn more of you and the increased desire to be ready and waiting when you return. Bless our efforts, dear Lord. Allow your Holy Spirit to continue to lead and guide us into all truth. In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks for everyone online tuning in and we'll uh, see you back next week. Happy Sabbath.